Hi and welcome to Real Clear Fetish Talk, Real Clear Play. It's been a bit of a break as I was on holiday for two weeks and I came down with a chest infection. So if you hear me coughing during the episode, that is why I don't have COVID. I've been tested in both ends and left and right and center. So I am perfectly okay. I'm just still recovering a little bit. So never mind the coughing a little bit. But let me just bring my guest in. It's Oscar from Manchester, and I'm really excited. Hello. Hello, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm just going a little bit further down so you can see my whole face on the feed. Um, I'm re- well, I'm still recovering, as, as, as you could just hear me talking about. Yeah. Um, but I'm not as bad as I was last weekend. I literally had no voice. Yes. So that wouldn't have been very interesting. But today I have a... A very bass, a little bit deeper voice than I normally have. So a little bit sexier, I guess. Yeah, it works for some people. So, yeah. Oscar, would you mind moving your camera a little bit so you, or your face is in centre? That would be great help. Um, there you go. Better? Yeah, that's fantastic. Just so we get your full in, in the frame. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for coming on. And I do apologise for the delay from last week, but it couldn't Sorry. be helped. Yeah. So I'm really excited to have you on. Um, let's just jump into it because we have a, a little hour to sit and chat uh, about whatever comes up. But I have two, uh, four standard questions at the start just to kind of okay. get the conversation going. So <clears throat> the first question is, what do you prefer I call you, name, pronouns, and title? Um, Oscar, he or they, uh, and I don't have a title. Fantastic. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Oh gosh, where do you start? Um, well, <laughs> just, just just a short version, and we'll get into all the yeah all the- yeah. Okay, well, I'm a, um, my name's Oscar. I'm a trans non-binary, uh, trans masculine non-binary person. Um, I've been sober for about fifteen years, and um, I also um interested in and participate in kink play, you know play in different ways um i have done various jobs through my life um and um <clears throat> and i teach uh, qigong i also make films and i'm part of a group called the house noir which is a vogue house in the north fantastic there's a lot to dive in there and You've also already kind of answered my question three, which is completely sober, clear-headed, or social drinker? Um, <clears throat> when, I, when I say sober, I'm really met, um, in, that's in relation to recreational drugs, basically. Okay. I will maybe once every couple of years have a drink, but generally I'm not all that interested in alcohol, and luckily that's not been, a, been something that's uh, I've... I've sort of latched into fantastic. So, um, generally sober fantastic and, that, and that's a good thing you kind of pointed that out for me because there's different ways of doing sober and yeah. that's that's the main thing and it, it's very good to represent different types of being sober and that being free from drugs or free from alcohol or just completely off it at all so yeah I think historically people who have been off drugs have been 
uh, or self-labeled or called themselves clean, but I think we kind of have moved away from that over the years. I don't, that, that's one of the reasons I use real clear fetish, not yeah. real clean fetish. Oh God, could you imagine if I called the group that? <laughs> that would be confusing, I think, for, for very, a few people. I, I think I would be cancelled very, very quickly. Uh, <laughs> and the, the last question, uh, what is clear play to you and why is it important? <clears throat> Gosh, there's so much in that question. Um, I think uh, I think really clear play on the surface is, is about not using... Um, some sort of substance, be that alcohol or drugs, to to sort of facilitate play, uh, and that you know that sort of be that numbing out or loosening yourself up or all of those kind of things, ways that that we sort of explain to ourselves about uh, how we allow things to happen in a situation. <clears throat> um, so for me, on a on a surface level, it's about me not being under the influence of every, anything, but also um, checking that the people that I'm playing with and not using um, are in a in a um, in a state where they're not sort of unable to be present in the in a situation, and that's a that's can be a difficult line to navigate because I don't want to restrict people from sort of drinking or using some you know if they want to smoke or something like that uh but i i want to be very clear that um that's not really a space that i want to participate in mainly absolutely it's it's, it's also i think i mentioned this on previous episodes it's also a question about consent um, yeah the more far gone someone there the more question there is with yeah consent. Well, I mean, from my own experience, I can I can definitely say that looking back, there are a number of situations that I were was have been in where I'm not clear that I actually consented because I was under the influence and really I was just checking out a lot of the time. And so I don't want to be in a situation where I'm participating in something and the person that I'm with, I'm not. I'm not clear that they are able to consent in any way. So, I don't. I don't want to. You know. I think, absolutely, and, and and I think also with someone uh, as you mentioned, you were 15 years clear of drugs. Um, I'm now four years myself. Ever right. since the last episode, I celebrated my birthday. So, um, so it it is when when you've been in all that and. I would say chemsex was after you got clean, of course, but I'm sure there was drugs involved with sex and, and mm -hmm. it just didn't have a fancy name. Um, <laughs> but it, it's, you kind of think back and it's like, did I really consent to that? Mm. Was it actually abuse or on, on, on a way kind of rape? But you yeah. just don't know because you don't remember. Yeah, and it's also, as as well, the I think there's a lot from again speaking for myself. There's a lot of like performance in my younger self. There was the not really understanding this what I was involved in, and sort of playing a part which wasn't necessarily me, and using 
using drugs in some way or another to allow me to, to sort of participate, even though I didn't really want to. So there's that kind of fine line between, you know, it's, I don't know if I would necessarily call it abuse because mm. for me, you know, I don't, not definitely not as a blanket statement for all people, but definitely for me, I think there was, it's a, it's a difficult one to call internally because definitely part of myself was participating in a way that was like, I want to do this. But also there's the part of me that was like, actually, I really don't want to be here. And so there's the, that kind of, that kind of in performative behavior that I had as a younger person, because I was, insecure and you know not really able to say no in a lot of situations so i think um saying no to scenes or people can especially in our younger like i definitely had a trouble saying no in my 20s uh, yeah. because i'm there now so i kind of mm. have to um i'm much better at it now and it's it's funny you mention it because i literally got gaslighted by a 20 year old this week Mm. Kind of going, oh, you're boring. Why are you not? Why Why are you saying no to me? I'm really good looking, and I'm just like, mate, have a wank. Come back to me afterwards. After you, because he he didn't want to do safe words. He didn't want to. He just wanted yeah, no. to everything. And I'm just like, red flags, red flags. Back out, back out. Mm -mm, no, 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 no. And he kept calling me boring. And I was like, mate, you're gaslighting me. Stop doing yeah. that. That's not a good look. No. Yeah, I mean, I'm shaming you as well, because there's yeah. that sort of element of like, oh, well, if you were not boring, then you would be doing so. I've, I don't, I, yeah, I definitely don't um, don't appreciate that kind of interaction. And I think that it's something that happened. I, th I think very much looking back at my own experience, that's something that didn't really kind of make sense to me until I got a little bit older. Yeah. And I started to understand the difference between what, something that I've been sort of looking at in myself a lot, the difference between oppression and domination um, and how that sort of works in myself and then also how understanding that more in myself reflects on how I interact with other people. Um, and also this idea that consent is, is given at the beginning and then is not negotiated throughout the interaction. That took me a while to understand yeah. When I was younger, and it wasn't until I was in um, at a party, a play party, and I had I uh, agreed to do a scene, and the person that I was with kept checking in on me every couple of minutes. And I, at first, I was quite confused by it, and then I was like, "Ah, this is this makes sense." Of this course. is what he's supposed yeah. to do. Yes. <laughs> so that was that that is that is a good dawn checking in with the sub just like yeah. still okay yeah absolutely so um it took it you know again and that's why i say you know it took that time because you you gain experience as you meet people you know you meet people who you think know how to do something and then someone you meet later on does something different and you're like oh there's a there's actually a, a sort of breadth of experience and different ways of doing this. And then in time you start to develop your own way of um, working with people. So, yeah. That is the problem we now face, especially on the fetish scene. There is no mentors in the same way 
we had maybe in the 80s and 90s because we lost a whole generation of people yeah. that could teach the children um, <laughs> what to do and what not to do. I've definitely seen things on Twitter where I'm, I, I wrote to the person's like, that is not safe. You need to yeah. rethink that. Did you think of the consequences of if this person got hurt? It, mm. it, it, and we've seen it before. People get hurt or die if they don't practice yeah. a kink. Absolutely. And yeah, I think that's also, I think it's partly losing that generation. There's definitely that. So, but I do know people who are in very structured sort of relationships where that kind of knowledge is, is passed on. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's like the availability of it, especially yeah. in like from a, a wider social media global market perspective. The fact that you know we we can talk about kink in the mainstream now to to a certain degree, thanks to you know some of the the popular films that have come out that kind of use the subject but don't necessarily represent it in a great way. Yeah. So, like, people who are coming into sort of the idea of playing with it are not, are, are again, like, thinking that it's all about this sort of external performance rather than what I'm, what I discover as more and more is, like, how do we interact relationally? What is the dynamics of this interaction? Yeah, there are specific you know, sort of agreements in place and the way that we might be using something or we might be uh, taking on particular roles, but really how are we as human beings expressing, you know, affection, love, um, kindness, uh, exploring our relationship with pleasure, all of these kind of things that are happening, which are really, I think, the juicy parts um, of it as opposed to whether I'm wearing... Um, a particular thing or you know that sort of um that sort of interaction mm. so how how long have you been practicing kink and, and can i ask what type of kink you you're into um i'm still exploring really um i've been sort of in and out of play spaces since maybe 2010 um so and most of them have been like private spaces i haven't when i when i began sort of interacting i mean i've always had an interest in like uh power mainly mm. um so the look you know my my fantasies even before getting into kink were around sort of power dynamics and stuff like that uh so um, so mainly I played in private spaces, though, not, not uh, really, or very, very much queer trans spaces, uh, which there are, of which there aren't that many. Um, but I didn't, when I first sort of came out and I, before I sort of looked as masculine as I do now, um, it was a, a much more difficult space to be in, um, in, in sort of the mainstream kink spaces. Yeah, I, 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 as it's not my experience, I wouldn't be able to imagine that at all, yeah. that might feel. So how do you find like navigating 
what is primarily a cisgen cisgendered uh, fetish scene as a trans mm. man. I, I'm, I, I still learn, and because it's yeah. not my experience, sometimes it boggles my brain as well. But that's okay. But how do you find that navigating, which is primarily cisgendered? Um, well, like I said, the the spaces I've been in have mainly been trans and queer mm. spaces. So, so in that sense, and I haven't really been in many kink spaces that have been cisgendered. So, I can't really comment on sort of clubs or anything like that because I haven't I haven't gone to them. I'd like to uh, see what they're like just yeah. as a curiosity, really. Um, I have found sort of watching spaces or being in, in some of the social, online social spaces that generally um, I, don't, I don't tend to, I tend to sort of fade into the background or not, not really be noticed. And that's, that's both good and bad in some ways. Um, and then people who do interact with me tend to be very... Um, focused on their own fantasies around my physical body. Yeah. No, I I don't tend to interact with them for long. So more more and more, I, I sort of find myself saying no as opposed to yes, because I'm I, you know I've passed that point where I need to be in age, I've passed that point of needing to be validated by somebody uh, because because they, you know, um, interact with me. So I just tend to go, nice to meet you and goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Also, I find the whole, uh, it's just a personal thing, but um, I find the idea of somebody younger than me referring to themselves as a daddy quite, like... <laughs> I, I I must admit I do get called daddy, and I do have a boy in the states who calls me daddy. Yeah, he's older than me. He's like three years older than me. Um, yeah, but it kind of works, and so on. Yeah, and I also think I'm in late thirties now. I I can almost get away. You can get away with that, I guess. Yeah, but I yeah. Sometimes I they're like very young, and I'm kind of like. Mm, no, 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 no! You don't even have hair on your chin. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure where to go with this. So yeah, yeah. it's, it's it maybe a, a naughty uncle or yeah, it's it's like personally like it's not a, not definitely not a, a not a statement about people who are younger using the title, but it does for me. It just seems a bit oh, maybe that's because I'm getting older. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I think we all get like that, and and definitely the older I get, the younger the guys who are interested in me are becoming. And it's also, I'm I'm happy to mentor or advise or guide, but I'm not necessarily sexually interested in very young guys. It's just not yeah. been my thing. I've always gone older, but because it's kind of leveled out now, because now I'm older, um, it's kind of my own age and a little bit up uh, above that. So it yeah. just works. Um, but yeah, yeah I've, I've definitely now have 20 year olds where I'm listening to what they're saying and I'm like, that was me when I was 20. <laughs> and I'm not happy about it. It's a, it's a revealing experience. <laughs> very, very, because... Very I, confronting. I, 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 and, and, of course, you have to start somewhere when, at least when you're a gearhead, 
um, kinks can be a lot of things, but when it, you're a gearhead, it's really expensive and depends mm. on what you're into. And when you're 20, you don't have a lot. No. Um, so I often get people like, oh, yeah, can, I, you can dress me in yours. And it's like, no, I, I, I'm not interested in having sex with people my, with my own clothes on. <laughs> and I used to do that myself. So I'm completely blanked about that. It's, it's, it's yeah. very funny. And it's just karma coming back at me now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, yeah, that, I could see that being. It's funny that with younger people, like, often through no, like, intention really do sort of show me how I you know, go, oh, you you used to do that. <laughs> you might want to own up to that. It's good, because, you know, it helps me to be more, like, compassionate. I'm not, um, I'm not, definitely not sort of uh, pushing them away in that sense, but, like, there is a, there's a kind of, like, having to own my own stuff through seeing how other people are, are, um, doing that that same thing and and just like also how unoriginal we are as human beings <laughs> oh that again the same thing i did jesus okay we're not moved any further than that no. yeah. the culture is still here <laughs> so you mentioned you were uh, 15 years off drugs what what brought you to that point where you kind of went i need to stop this um well the the Uh, I got to a point where I was, um, well, I was struggling with a lot of mental health issues as well, uh, as well as sort of trying to come to terms with being trans. And um, I got to a point where I was basically living on the couch of my ex's flat. <coughs> and I had, would, had developed agoraphobia at that, by that point. So <laughs> I was basically... <laughs> making them go out and score for me. Um, and I just thought, you know what, I'd be better off dead um, at this point. And I had to really ask myself if that was true. You know, if that if that's really the case, you know, that's that's a possibility. But if you if you were to do that, would you would you, you know, because there's no there's no coming back from that, um, would you actually let it happen or would you fight for your last, you know, would you keep fighting? Mm. Um, and the answer that came back was uh, I would fight right to the last breath. So at that point, I was like, well, if that's true, um, then maybe I should start focusing my energy on the business of living rather than trying to slowly kill myself with drugs. And um, that's that's basically when I made the decision. But the journey itself took another took a good number of years of falling off the wagon, getting back on the wagon, falling off the wagon, getting back on the wagon. I didn't really, I didn't engage with uh, the 12 step program um, through my, the beginning of my recovery. And then later on, I discovered what that was about. Um, and I'm still touching in and out of that. I think it's a great, um, a great program and it offers a lot of support, but I personally have not engaged with it that much. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. And I'd mainly done it through, I had to basically cut 
that life away. So I had to leave all of my friends and that support network and everything that that was connected to that because uh, I think, I mean, for me, I don't, I don't know if it's everyone else's journey, but you de- I definitely could not be clean, uh, sober and have friends who were not use it, have friends who were using because mm-hmm. often I would get myself cl- uh, sober for a couple of weeks and then my friend would come around with some drugs and they would be like, Oh, come on, you know, just the word, that sort of thing. So there was always that, needing to bring me back into the life mm. um and i realized that i just couldn't do it if i kept the friends that i had so i i left the left the area i lived in luckily my parents um took me back and i got myself um because they were I, they lived in a place which i had no connections in so i i basically <laughs> had to find other ways of occupying myself um and i retrained and got myself a job and and moved into a place that was away from all of that and i didn't didn't actually go back to see any of my friends for a good five or ten years before because i needed i knew i needed to be um strong enough to be able to sit in a room full of people taking drugs and not be tempted so <laughs> yeah that was uh that was a, a I knew that quite clearly. So yeah, but basically that's, that's sort of what I did. I, I, I recognize a lot of that. And there's a lot of the friends, even friends I didn't necessarily use with, but mm. who I know dabbled, um, are not really a part of my life now. Um, to be honest, most of my life revolves around the London Gay Men's Chorus, but anyway. That's kind of what my life has become, which is fine. It's, yeah, it's I used to be a pink singer. Sorry? I used to be a pink singer. Oh, we don't like them. What? No, 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 no. There's, but we there's, like there's, there's very, very <laughs> friendly rivalry between the pink yeah. singers and the LGMC. It's very cute. I I don't know anyone in uh, the Pink Singers. I, I think I have one acquaintance who sings with them. And they're very good. Yeah. I have seen them. Uh, but of course, their style and their setup is very different. Oh, it's different. Yeah. Oh, but they're lovely and, and they do great work. And yeah, it's, it's it, for me, starting singing with the London Game, of course, didn't stop me using. But it was definitely, like you say, disconnect and connect with new people that yeah. wants to keep you safe. And that group was so non-judgmental. And there's several members in the group that's definitely seen me at my worst. Yeah. Um, so it's, 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 it's quite amazing when you start reconnecting with people in a more healthy way. Yeah. And that, yeah, that sense of community is what we're, it, it's a powerful thing to have a space where you know that you you have people who care about you and are looking out for you and accept you. Mm. And that's a, that's just means so much. Um, and often we think we found it or often I thought I had found it in this space of people who were using, I was using drugs with, but actually what I realized is that space was just a place for people who didn't really care all that much about each other to give each other permission to take drugs <coughs> and, and also pool our often meager resources to, to be able to get it. So 
it was uh, it was not it was a very conditional kind of um transactional yeah yeah it becomes that exactly but to actually be with people in the choir um where we all came together because we loved doing something together and it was something that was very uplifting and then you know we go and have picnics in the park or socialize in the pub or or whatever uh, or go to clubs that that all sort of came with it as well but in a different way mm, yeah it's um it's 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 so important that's one of the reasons like you mentioned 12 step that's why that kind of works is in the interaction with people who understand you as well that's also yeah. really important when it comes to recovering it is having at least a couple of people in your network that understand what you're going through and why yeah. you're trying to stop and why you're trying to change your life and that's why a lot of king people group together as well because we need we we, we crave that understanding absolutely of, because i i can i can look at myself and laugh at, i'm fully dressed in cow skin and it's like that poor cow but it's my fetish it's what i love but i can also yeah. see the ridiculousness of it but it's nice to stand in a group where everyone's dressed like that because yeah the same interest and just share the enjoyment of it you know it's like the <coughs> part of this whole like our relationship to pleasure and not making it a conditional thing you know not shaming ourselves or only making it available to us when the conditions are right sort of thing but actually what what brings us pleasure and can we just allow ourselves those moments where pleasure is available to us without having to you know make it acceptable in whatever way that we we sort of change that that uh, surrounding to be you mentioned at the start you're a filmmaker yes how long have you been making films and what kind of films do you make since i was 17 i trained uh, with a community um a community film making uh, group so mainly they've been uh making uh, i've been part of making pilots and pop videos and uh dance videos as well sort of documenting different uh, dance companies more recently i've started to look at creating uh short films around my experience as a trans person um and they're kind of like just short five minute pieces uh where i talk about something and then have images that are related to or not related to um about that um yeah so that's that's what i do with those that, that sounds amazing it, it's it's one of the things just like at my workplace uh, i'm not going to mention who they are but um they introduced pronouns in the emails this this year uh, yeah. They've also now a choice on the system to choose your gender of choice, not what's on your certificate, which is all amazing. Yeah. Um, but the problem has been, and this has been interacting with people, is there is a, at least for cisgendered people, a lack of understanding what it's about. Um, even I don't understand certain things, but I'm open to it and I'm open to having conversations about it. But some people are very much like, oh, that's foreign, we don't want to do that. Um, mm. Not necessarily because they're coming as in, like transphobic or anything like that. It's just a bit of lack of understanding what it's about. 
where I've suggested to my company is like there needs to be mandatory training, either like an hour session where it's a safe space to ask stupid questions, mm. um, out judgment. And, and I've definitely done in the past um, where we did some trans courses where it, the freedom was there where you didn't have to like, oh, I, I don't want to offend someone, which is, is tricky. Um, yeah. Even before this interview, I wrote you was like, is there anything you don't want to talk about? Because trans issues can be a bit, especially when I come as a cisgendered white male asking mm -hmm. a person of color trans man. So I don't want to come off and say the wrong thing. That's yeah. the main thing. Well, I think, I mean, as it's a personal interaction between the two of us, and yeah. um, I know you from meeting up a couple of times I know it's coming from a not coming from a place of trying to sort of undermine me as a trans person so I can be quite open about um you know if you say something that I think is offensive I'll just go well that was kind of a bit offensive you know so but um I think there has to be some sort of dialogue um between cis and trans people in some way otherwise how do we start to uh move to a space where we really understand each other better um and there is a you know i think a lot of difficulty in the sort of wider space is that we have people who are making quite inflammatory statements about um trans people um without any kind of way for trans people to respond to that and a lot of conversations that are being had about trans people's experience and not actually inviting trans people to the table and i think that's really a big issue as far as um myself is concerned i don't want to speak for the trans community no no of course, any opinion, Eric, yeah, right, yeah. personal opinions, no one else's, and it's never yeah, everyone's experience. Yeah, we're quite a, a diverse group <laughs> of people, and we all have quite different ideas, and I think that is also something that we are really needing to start to look internally about, not just trans people, but the the entire LGBT spectrum. It's like we, we refer to ourselves as community, and a lot of the time that's a word that's been used because of people outside of us wanting to box us all into one space for their convenience. Uh, but we haven't actually, we don't work as a community because we're, we're des disparate in a lot of ways and we have different wants and different agendas and we kind of assume that those agendas are relevant in all spaces but actually sometimes they're really not. And some of them actually conflict with each other in some ways, but there's no way for us to really talk about how that can be negotiated um, because we haven't got the, that level of communication for, for a community, if you see what I mean. So it's like really starting to ask, what are we and how do we work for, together? For, for a community who keeps yelling about equality and so on, internally we're a mess we just yes. don't seem for some reason we just don't seem to get along and it's even the same on the fetish scene depending on what fetish you have there might even be 
clashes as well, yeah. which is ridiculous. We are all coming from the same place. Of course, as you say, different agendas, different people, and, and what you experience. But one, one thing I've learned in the last couple of years, just because you're LGBTQ+, doesn't mean you can't be an asshole. Um, <laughs> and we've seen that in the last couple of years. We, we see like- We are also human beings. Which, ugh, <laughs> no, don't even go there. They're fucking awful. But yeah. it's, 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 it's so hard when we keep yelling about equality, but we just hate each other in the community. Well, I think hate is a strong word. Well, disagree <laughs> or just we're... don't get along as, as well yeah. as we should. I think a lot of the time we're, we have to remember that we're coming from communities that have been under threat for a very long <laughs> time. And so our responses tend to be a lot about defending ourselves yeah. instead of, you know, kind of relaxing into that space and going, okay, this person is not trying to attack or destroy my way of life. But there is a need for us to communicate if we're going to move forward together. And that hasn't happened a lot between the communities. Um, and there's a lot of historical sort of grief and um, resentment and other things that we've not addressed. I mean, you know, we're, in my lifetime, I, I, when I was still presenting as female, I hadn't like transitioned yet and living as a lesbian, I could not walk into a gay bar without being thrown out. So, uh, you know, that's not that long ago. Um, so, you know, we haven't always been havens for each other and supported each other in a, in, in, and that's why I say community is something that's been given to us by an external um, society. And we've kind of, because we're all defending ourselves from the same group, if you like, um, because they're all, pointing at us and saying we're all the same, uh, we've banded together publicly to give ourselves some sort of um, strength and unity in that, in that space, but we haven't given ourselves time as we've become uh, more sort of accepted uh, to start to look back at how do we operate with ourselves and with each other um, and, and is you know, as times have changed, how do we change with that, with that as well? Yeah, it's, 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 everyone brings their own trauma to the table. Mm. And, and as you, as you mentioned, it's like people do tend to like, oh, he, the, the person is attacking me. And it comes from the fact that most LGBT plus people, uh, LGBTQ plus people um, are in constant flight and fight mode. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of people who don't experience that don't necessarily understand what that's like. I'm, as, as I probably mentioned before, I have very much a privilege of being white, cisgendered. So I, that's not my experience. I have experience as a gay man, but I can hide in the background. Yeah. I, I can tone it down if you like. To, yeah. So I can walk in the street where it's not a problem. Um, mm -hmm. So it's important for me to support people who can't do that. Yeah. And, and be understanding and, and know where they're coming from and also fight for them as well. Because in the greater scheme of things, I don't have it that hard. I'm very, very lucky as the person I am um, mm. to kind of be able to blend. Not that I should have to, 
That's no. what I'm saying. But I no. feel privileged in that way. Yeah, well, you have a certain level of safety that is afforded yeah. to you because of because of the way you look and, um, you know, other things which might also uh, give you some, some level of protection depending on, you know, where we live and what values the society we're living in has. <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. I totally understand that. And, um, yeah, it just... We, we are... Look, I think we're in a period of this, like, these sort of hitting up against these sort of conflicts is really about revealing the things that um, that we need to start to address within our own spaces if we if we want to move towards more community I mean we may just all separate out and never speak to each other again like <laughs> like high school That's friends hopefully that won't happen absolutely yeah it's 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 such an interesting especially when we also see with like the me too movement and stuff like that we see black lives matter um in the last couple of years i had an experience with a neighbor where i'm mm. walking down the street i was behind her i she didn't look who it was but she got scared because it was a man walking behind her yeah which would never cross my mind because i'm as mm. gay as they come and i have no interest and i would never do anything like that and yeah. No, 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 no. And that surprised me, but it's also made me aware of what my presence is when yes. it comes to women. Even as a gay man, I kind of have to be mindful of how I interact with other women because I don't want to be seen as a threat. Yeah. And that's important. That's a, yeah, that's a, there's a lot of, yeah, there's so much. Oh, Oh, I'm sure we could keep talking about that for you wouldn't I, 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 yeah I don't want to get into that because we probably need another 10 hours yeah yeah um, to, we're coming down to like last 10 minutes so I, I was curious yeah. about your Vogue house in Manchester tell me a little bit oh, yes House of Noir yeah House of Noir yeah uh, well um, it's uh, it was created by um, Darren Pritchard who is like one of the the sort of power players, uh, if you like, in um, in the north. He's the mother of the House of Ghetto, House of Noir, House of Black, House of Flavor, uh, like a lot of cutie pock, basically. His he has worked really hard to to bring um, cutie pock people and folk culture back into Manchester or the north, because it's not just Manchester; it's Leeds and uh, Liverpool and other places as well. So um, we're mainly a, what would be described as a fashion house as opposed to a you know, <coughs> voguing house. Um, though we do have dancers, so that we're developing our skills um, in the different elements of vogue and ballroom because ballroom tends to be more about walking and yeah. vogue obviously is the dance. Uh, we have our own designers, Kenneth Morris. He designed this shirt, which also has a, shirt, yeah, yeah. It's, it's also got a fist in the back, but I'm not going to oh. get up. the side. <laughs> but yeah, he's. Um, you can find him on Instagram, Ken Moore's Creations. Uh, yeah, he's our he's our in-house designer. Really amazing stuff, and actually also a kinkster. So he brings elements of fetish into the fashion which is really, I 
I find really beautiful. Well, um, you, you see a lot of fashion come from Vulcan culture. There's a yeah. lot of fashion that bleeds out from that all of a sudden over to the, the, the historically people stealing other ideas, yeah. unfortunately, <laughs> but it's what it happens. Yeah. Yes, but he's bringing sort of more kink aesthetic into the fashion that um, that he's doing. So that I find really fascinating. So he's sort of brought, uh, like, one of the things he's done, he did early on was bring a kente design into harnesses. Mm. Um, and we, we walked that for uh, the UK Black Pride Vogue wall that was up here a couple of years back. Uh, and that was really really fabulous so yeah we just um we're doing one in um november in birmingham we're also doing again the black pride vogue pool in december but i think they've already sold out they do kind of just sell out really fast have have you seen like a spike in interest since pose started yeah i think definitely that there's um um a regular, very large ball that has happened for quite a few years. Um, uh, Darren Suarez, House of Suarez in Liverpool, uh, he's been doing those for quite a while. So there's there's always been this kind of presence for for quite a while before Pose. Yeah. Um, but what uh, Darren Pritchard's done is really bring Q2Pop people back into that and uh, bring the more authentic um, sort of vogue back into the North, which is, you know, we're still learning. So it's not like, uh, you know, not to say that we are, you know, we are the, we're already at that level of other vogue houses, which exist like La Beja and Ninja and all of those guys. We're not saying we're anywhere near those sort of things. We're just, mainly all babies, um, but just learning about the culture and what it has to offer us in our, in our communities and uh, basically celebrate ourselves more than anything else. It's been really quite, um, quite like shocking and revealing to me how much just uh, walking and embodying are you know this kind of elevated version of ourselves and set in a room full of people who are celebrating us rather than criticizing us, you know or like scrutinizing us in ways has been really uh, incredibly empowering i was quite blown away by how much that had an effect on me after years of <laughs> going, oh, no, not, you know sort of I, I, and initially there was this kind of like, oh, I'll give it a go. It's interesting. I'll see what the experience is like. But um, after doing it for the first time, I was just sort of, wow, that really, that really meant something. And I was quite surprised by that as I'd already done performance, what I'd seen as performances like with the choir and in other things. I was kind of expecting it to be uh, more of a performative thing, but it was very much uh, embodying and owning the space and having people celebrate you in that space. Um, and that's, yeah, it was, it was special. It's, it's, it's about like celebrating your authentic self, even if it's slightly elevated or more flamboyant or masculine or yeah. 
however you want to present and it's a safe space to do that in yes absolutely it's a it's a really it's a beautiful you know it's a really beautiful experience and to and it's also like the people who see you are being celebrated because they're like you as well and they haven't you know it's like having people come up to you afterwards and go you know you really that really meant something to me to see you up on this on the catwalk like that because I never th I never saw myself that way but because you kind of look like me I you know I get that you know yeah. like and so I'm very much it's for me but it's also for the people who see me so there's an added element of um of that sort of it's giving it's giving back to the audience as much as the audience is giving to me and that really is quite lovely it all comes down to representation it's about being able to see yeah. yourself in something and it's 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 why i get annoyed when people lose their shit of oh superman's son is now bisexual it's like oh all cry <laughs> fucking over it and i was just like, like is that a big deal it's it's, a, it's not a big deal and it's about <laughs> that bisexual boy or bisexual girl sitting in the room reading the comic it's like oh my god that's me yeah. i may not have the superpowers but this gives me the superpowers to be my authentic self and that's so important yeah absolutely i get i mean yeah it is people well you know we we are quite change averse as human beings so i think people are and and it's also like it's it it demonstrates just how much visibility matters because you've changed one character who's not even real to bisexual and suddenly your world is so rocked that you have to make a fuss about it yeah. and complain. So obviously it does matter in a very big way. It's, um, it's, oh, I can't remember what the company is, but there's a fabulous commercial on TV at the moment with a boy in makeup. Oh, yes. It's a house insurance. Isn't it Mark or something like that? No, I think it's like. house insurance, but it's just right. fabulous. It's absolutely, he's just living his best life and yeah. dressing how he wants, putting makeup, destroying the house. But yeah. not that kids should do that. They shouldn't destroy the house. But it's just <laughs> such a fabulous, fabulous thing. But yet again, yeah. people are losing their shit about it because it's like, boys don't do that. It's like, of course they do. I did uh, when yeah, I was and it's what I find really sad about the sort of cis male experience, if you like, is um, <coughs> this sort of, and obviously this is as somebody who's observing it rather than living it, but like the, as, the, as boys get older, they have the, the things that bring them real joy taken away from them almost, you know, these bright colours and things like playing and just being very kind of like this I, i'm watching my nephews growing up at the moment so they're like this sweetness and attract like one of my nephews loves fluorescent colors and then he's having this experience as he gets older of being socially policed into wearing black <laughs> you know and it's like really does do you really have to take that away from him like why does why can he not just have that joy of being with these incredibly bright colors, which I would not like wear myself, but you know, he, he wants that. Um, so, so let him have it. And why, why does that have any connection to his identity as 
a cis male or a straight male or a gay male or whoever he is, because it's just a, it's just a color, you know, it doesn't mean anything. And, and you're putting that meaning onto him. Um, and you're, his, you're shaming a child into conforming. That's yeah, basically. And it's sad, really, because I think men have a very narrow set of parameters which allow them to be men. And the fear of being not men is so great that they literally give up so much in order to, to, to fit into that box, which is, you know, it's like, maybe you should just not worry about it so much. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm lucky I grew up with a mother who allowed me to be me. And yeah. that meant I went into her uh, wardrobe and put on one of her dresses or wore her high heels. That was not a problem. I did experience later in life when my interest of Barbies kind of switched over to the more masculine toys. Yeah. It's in, in fucking masculine toys. It's all fucking, you can play with what you want, yeah. but it switched. And my dad like bought me everything because it's yeah. like, oh, maybe that'll change. Yeah, quick, quick, buy all the stuff. Yeah. And, and you know what? I, I don't blame my dad for it, but it definitely, it, it set things in motion in my brain about those type of things. And even in lockdown, I challenged myself a little bit at home. And, and I put nail polish on my nails because it's been yeah. quite a, I've become a man thing to wear nail polish. Yes. And you know what? And I hate saying it. It was a challenge, even for me being at oh. home by myself. I don't know why, because it doesn't fucking matter. No. It made me uncomfortable. And I was like, yeah. where is this coming from? That, it doesn't well, you want to be accepted that's the thing and especially when it's we're that young that acceptance <laughs> is very important to us and any kind of transgression yeah make us uncomfortable but that's like i kind of enjoy the transgression you know if it isn't well, making i wouldn't me dress like this if i did yeah. <laughs> I, I of course this is very masculine presenting i know this yeah um, but i enjoy it because it's a, there's a little bit of a shock value and, yeah. and 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 it's not conforming um also i fucking love wearing stuff like this but yeah. it, it is because as uh just a regular gay man i can be slightly flamboyant and um not as masculine as as some gay men can be so this is like hyper masculine like presenting something yeah not necessarily a costume for me but it's it is like elevating something i want and yeah that can be healthy and definitely also on the lever scene sometimes you do also see toxic masculinity i would say yeah i mean it's uh, very... finding the balance yeah exactly but also i mean the way i the way i say to to other people is like if you identify as masculine <laughs> then you do flamboyance in a masculine way. It doesn't. It doesn't <coughs> masculinity to be flamboyant. No, because you're ma because you identify as male. Your flamboyance is masculine. Where the people people try to shame you by saying, "Oh, you're being feminine or effeminate or whatever," they they put that onto you. But actually, your flamboy flamboyance is a masculine trait. Mm. Fem, you know, it's feminine if it comes from a, someone who identifies as female, and this whole idea that effem, you know effeminate men—they're just—they're they're still men. <laughs> they're still they're masculine. Still men, yes, that doesn't, doesn't change. change. But that that policing 
and that's why I say, you know, you, you as men, you, we have this, or sometimes me, <laughs> we have this very, very narrow corridor of what yeah. is allowed, and that makes you a man. But I, what I say is, anything you do, regardless of whether it's within that corridor or not, is masculine because of how you identify. Mm. So you can dress up in a sparkly shirt or a sparkly dress with spaghetti straps and high heels. You are still, because you identify as male, are masculine. It's just that it's an expression that is shocking to society that has made masculinity this big. So I think, you know, it, it, it offers both men and women, whether they're cis or trans, a greater amount of freedom to just, to see this thing as a playground. It's like, how can I express my masculinity in a way that may be surprising or shocking to other people, but also know it's masculinity because I am masculine. I am a, I am a male person. And that, that's sort of the, the kind of joy that comes from allowing ourselves these spaces of transgressing things which are, are so accept so unquestioned, you know, um, that that people don't even realise that they're just ideas. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's why language is so important as well. Yeah. Um, we're coming to the end of our time mm -hmm. and I would love to talk even more, but we're limited to an hour. Um, it's been absolute joy to have you on and it's been a pleasure thank you for asking me yeah it's it's been absolutely great so um yeah it's been amazing thank you oscar you're welcome thank you okay bye yeah. bye bye and that was oscar wasn't that amazing i'm so happy to have him on and it's been very educational for me we covered so many different topics and probably keep talking um as there was a delay from last week next episode is next week and um the topic will be stick next week well it'd be one of the topics so tune in and give a hand so have a great weekend and see you next week bye